Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316, mainly because we're located off of Highway 316, but there's also some pretty good 316 verses uh, in Scripture. Uh, If you're local, let me encourage you to come uh, be my guest one Sunday morning. Our service is at 1030. If maybe you aren't local, but you're looking for a good church, you can watch online uh, our live stream. Uh, You can find it on YouTube at calvary316.live, or you can watch our live stream, facebook.com slash calvary316. So uh, if you're local, be our guest in person, 1030 Sunday morning. If you're not local, be our guest uh, digitally through our live stream, again, 1030 on Sunday mornings. You can learn more about the church, about what we believe, what we do, uh, what our vision and mission is uh, by checking out calvary316.tv. I'm currently in a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study through the book of Revelation. If that interests you, you can go to calvary316.tv slash revelation of the king for all of the video and the audio. If you'd like to access the sermon notes, go to c316.tv. It's kind of our media archive. Again, YouTube channel, calvary316.live. I do hope wherever you're listening or however you're listening, whether you're listening on the radio via one of our wonderful radio partners, this is a nationally syndicated radio show, Uh, Or maybe you're listening on the podcast. Every episode of the Outlaw Radio Show is podcasted uh, in its entirety from beginning to end. Uh, You can find our podcast really wherever podcasts are found. Uh, Apple, uh, Google, uh, even Spotify. We're on Spotify. Uh, If let's say you have a a platform other than the three big ones and uh, you're having a hard time finding us, uh, drop us an email, info at outlawradio.org. Uh, And we'll do what we got to do to to be on the platform to make it as easy as possible for you to listen. So if you're listening on the radio and you can't stay with with us through the entirety of of the show, no worries. Find the podcast uh, and you can pick up where you had to to leave off. Regardless, uh, I do hope you stay with me over the next hour as we seek to deconstruct the negative perception that the world has of Christians by boldly discussing today's relevant topics in an honest and genuine way. Uh, I do encourage you, if you're listening, again, radio or podcast, uh, we live stream the recording of the Outlaw Radio Show. So what you're listening to right now um, is pre-recorded. We sit down in the studio, record four blocks of audio. We send that audio to His Productions, who produces it uh, for radio. We then take those files, produce it for podcasting. So what you're listening to right now is not live, uh, but we do live stream the show. So the recording of the show is live streamed uh, every Wednesday night, at 8 p.m., and really the man uh, that is behind the live stream, behind the cameras, uh, the gatekeeper, so to speak, my partner in crime, Creighton Vaughn, welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me. You doing well, man? You you having a good week? Yeah, more or less. It's another week, driving a lot, working a lot, living. (laughs) Living the dream. You know it. So, uh, last week, when we were recording... uh, the show that we did on kind of the differences between Catholicism and Protestantism. Um, We had, that show was fully prepped. It was ready. It was in the docket. Um, We had already kind of released a bit of advertisement that that's what the subject matter was going to be. Uh, Unbeknownst to me uh, earlier that day um, on the Rush Limbaugh show, Catherine Limbaugh, Rush's wife uh, came on the air and informed the 20 million people that listened to the Rush Limbaugh show um, that Rush had passed away, that he had lost his fight with stage four cancer. And he is kind of the godfather of, of modern radio. Um, a lot of things that were uh, kind of stirring within, within me, a lot of things that I wanted to talk about even last Wednesday, um, but kind of felt like, and I think you agreed with me, that let's, let's let it kind of simmer for a week, uh, take some time, let's keep, let's keep the subject matter of what we were addressing um, static, let's not change it. And, um, but then, you know, a week. So tonight we would, we would address that. Uh, you're not, you're not a big radio, a big radio fan. That's correct. I think in the past year I've listened to radio one time and it's because my phone was dead on my way home from work. <laughs> so most of the time, and, and you're not, you're not abnormal for most, uh, millennials or, or Gen Z that, I mean, you consume your media, how, uh, Bluetooth headphones and my phone. And your phone, and, and with your phone, it's mainly podcast, YouTube channels, things of that nature. Exactly. It's podcast, YouTube, and YouTube music. So as far as the radio dial, uh, not exactly a medium that you've ever really explored or been been exposed to, uh, just 
not in your repertoire. Not really. Now, one of the things that I do think is interesting is that that doesn't mean that what we would constitute as talk radio or uh, discussion-based content um, isn't appealing. That's one of the things that I think people get wrong about. Uh, like even what we're doing right now is, well, you know, the younger audience isn't really interested in talk. Uh, they're more interested in, in entertainment. They're interested in music. Um, you know, the, the especially political talk or religious speech, religious talk uh, doesn't really have a platform. But I think that that's completely wrong. And I think you can kind of testify to that, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I do everything on YouTube or Google podcast, but all of my podcasts are like, they're either true crime based because I'm a millennial or it's some political or sometimes science themed conversation between two people. Um, which is essentially what talk radio is. So the notion of talk radio being dead is, in my opinion, a, a misconception if it's just limited to radio. And this is actually a fascinating thing because uh, it's a conversation that I've had frequently with Josh Brown, the the CEO president of his productions, who, who uh, produces our radio show, just about how effective uh, is talk radio. Uh, talk radio was virtually dead um, going into the mid eighties, there was a thing known as the fairness doctrine, um, that because AM radio stations are public domain, um, that the federal government regulated that, uh, political speech always had to be balanced and, and, and equated based upon time and perspective. So, you know, for, for Rush Limbaugh to have a three hour talk show that's conservative it would, it was impossible, uh, because you would have then also had to have had afterwards a three-hour talk show that was liberal, but the radio station that was carrying one uh, would just lose money and get hammered on the other, and vice versa. And so, largely speaking, before Rush Limbaugh, AM radio was, for the most part, kind of a dying medium. He resurrected it, changed the landscape. Now, I'm kind of old school. You know that about me. I'm kind of an old soul in a lot of ways. You did just buy a tea kettle. I did. I did. So I guess, I guess to you know, kind of color, give a little color commentary to what Creighton's referring to. So my wife and I, um, you know, the, one, the, the big downside of 2020 is that it has killed television. Like there's not a lot of really good new content coming out because, you know, COVID shut down the recording, shut down the studio, shut down, you know, the production. Um, and so, you know, right now it's like you're just starving for, you know, your shows to come back. Um, and so we, we've kind of dug deep into like, well, what shows have we not watched before? And uh, this is probably way more information than the audience cares to know. <laughs> but we started watching uh, The Minimalist, um, which I think is a very riveting show. Uh, if you're listening, uh, it's clean. It's hard to find clean shows nowadays. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily watch it with um, you know anyone maybe under high school age uh, just because of the subject matter, but it is a clean show. Um, but the main character... Um, drinks tea, and so my wife and I, because we've just been binging these these episodes, we're like, hey, we should try out tea, and so we bought a tea kettle and um, an assortment pack off of Amazon and some honey, and uh, <laughs> we've. I, I turned to her the other day and I said, you know, I think we're really impressionable people. Like, <laughs> like we are the people that when there's product placements in TV, and you're like, no one's going to buy that Ford Focus. Um, we, we end up being the people that are like, yeah, I'm going to buy that Ford Focus. <laughs> Or buy a buy a tea kettle, uh, but I'm an old soul. Uh, I'm I'm the kind of person that uh, you know. Again, if you've listened to any length of time, I'm a diehard um, Atlanta Braves fan. Um, I love baseball. Uh, baseball uh, was made for, or you could even say radio was made for uh, baseball. Uh, the baseball broadcast, you know, three hours of content, but the slow pace. Uh, of a baseball game when you're only listening requires expert commentators, um, you know, because, you know, you know, and the three, two pitch, Oh, it's a ball outside. He's going to go take his base. And then there's like two minutes until the next batter can get up there and the next pitch is made. And so, you know, you listen to uh, broadcasts on the radio of baseball. Uh, there's, you get to know the personalities, which is why like Vin Scully is such an iconic, the, the great Dodger broadcaster, there are times that uh, instead of watching a Braves game on the TV, I will, I will I'll turn it off and turn on the radio. If I'm sitting outside, I'll turn on the radio and just listen um, 
you know, to, to the broadcast. There's something just very cool, very unique about it. I'm an old soul in that regard. And, and while I do consume a lot of media through podcasts and, and again, uh, me being kind of of the younger demographic, also YouTube, similar to you, um, I am a millennial uh, on the edge. Yeah, but just still, barely, just barely. But I, I'm one of those weird people that can relate to, to, to generation X, but I understand millennials, uh, radio, you know, my first exposure with Rush Limbaugh, and really, I guess I should get to that. That's kind of the subject matter of today's episode is, is I want to talk about uh, Rush Limbaugh. It, don't turn me off because uh, this is not a show about Rush Limbaugh. This will actually be a show um, that is very much applicational uh, to the everyday Christian. Uh, I think that there's some very important lessons that we can derive uh, from Lish, Rush Limbaugh. In fact, I'm I'm kind of titling this for our YouTube channel, for Facebook, for the podcast. Uh, I'm titling the episode um, "Talent on Loan from God," which is kind of the famous thing. You know, Rush Limbaugh would open his show. You know, you know, behind the golden EIB microphone, "Talent on Loan from God." Rush Limbaugh, you know, placing you know one half of my my brain behind my back to make it fair. You know, he just he had this bravado, had this way of of doing it. But I really thought about you know I, you know, watching a lot of the the. Um, the commentary following his death, uh, listening to some of his friends talk about his life. Uh, Mark Stein, uh, of all people, wrote a, a really moving article. Um, he was a fill-in host for Rush Limbaugh, and and his whole like I think that even the title of his of his piece was um, a talent uh, returned to God, um, and and it really got me thinking. And so today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about Rush Limbaugh. But I really do want to pivot into some bigger applications uh, that are relevant, are relevant for all of us um, as believers. One of the things I, I do think is very interesting, and I didn't know this about Rush Limbaugh. So Rush Limbaugh, his, his actual name is Rush Hudson Limbaugh III. He's the third. His grandfather was actually an ambassador, um, I believe, for FDR to, to India, his father was a, a, a very famous kind of powerful attorney. They were, he comes from a family of attorneys. His brother David, his older brother David Limbaugh, is an attorney, um, also a commentator in his own right, author, a thinker. Um, Rush Limbaugh, though, he came from um, an upper-to-middle-class uh, Midwestern family, uh, born and raised in Missouri, and what's interesting, one of the things I learned about Rush Limbaugh is, again, uh, a well-to-do family, a family of attorneys, uh, conservative attorneys, uh, very politically active. Uh, but from the, from the age of eight years old, I read this in, in one of his biographies, uh, Rush Limbaugh, at the age of eight, um, had told his parents that when he grew up, he wanted to be on radio, like as an eight-year-old. And it was cutting technology then, right? No, not no, not at all. I mean, this well. So Rush Limbaugh, he died at the age of of seventy. Uh, he was born January twelfth of fifty one. So uh, you know, I guess I guess late fifties, early sixties. You know, you're having more and more uh, televisions make their way into the home. Uh, radio is being supplanted by by picture. Um, we're running against a, a hard break, so I don't I don't want to progress any further. Uh, we want to hear from you, the listening audience. Uh, you can find all of our contact information, info at outlawradio.org, all of the links to our social media accounts. Just go to outlawradio.org. Again, our website is outlawradio.org. One of the most important visions of the Outlaw Radio Show is our desire to challenge you to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then pursue answers on your own. The sad reality is many Christians fail to reflect Christ because they don't know what they believe or why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to the Outlaw Radio Show tackling tough topics you might not hear at church, it is our desire to equip, inspire, and challenge you to dig into God's Word and wrestle with these complex topics on your own. To help you in this important process, we want you to check out blueletterbible.org. It would be an understatement to say that this website will transform the way you study the Bible. In fact, it will revolutionize it. 
Aside from their treasure trove of free online commentaries, blueletterbible.org also has an incredible word search function, making it super simple to dive into the original language behind a text. So if you want to dig deeper into your study of scripture and in the process, learn and grow, we encourage you to check out blueletterbible.org today. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. Again, my name is Zach Adams. I'm so glad that you're listening. A week ago today, Rush Limbaugh passed away at the age of 70. Uh, February 17th, 2001. He was born January 12th, 51. He died of stage four lung cancer. Uh, In February of 2020, and again, this was right before the pandemic, he had gone in for just a routine uh, checkup. And um, with zero symptoms, ended up getting a very terrible diagnosis uh, that he had terminal lung cancer. What makes Rush Limbaugh and Creighton, Creighton is with me. Creighton, again, welcome back to the show. Hello. So one of the things that's interesting is that, you know, as an eight-year-old, you know, growing up in, in middle America, in Missouri, you know, there's a lot of things as an eight-year-old you know, you'd, you'd want to be. You know, if you want to follow in your father's footsteps, maybe you want to be a lawyer, but that's not fun. Uh, that, that doesn't sound fun. But as an, as an eight-year-old, like my, my son Quincy is nine, and he wants to be a Major League Baseball player. Um, now, the, the likelihood of him being a Major League Baseball player uh, is astronomically low. Um, just He's a good baseball player, don't get me wrong, but he's just the, the, the likelihood is very slim. The genes aren't there. The, the genes, the ge- well, I mean, the genes are there. I mean, you look at me, I am an athletic specimen. <laughs> um, but the problem is he has half of his genetics come from Jessica, who is not exactly the most athletic girl in the world beautiful that's is a all. bold move my beautiful, friend that's a bold move beautiful but not exactly uber you know uber <laughs> like Dump for out. example like tiger woods's son is is destined to be a golfer you know charlie woods is going to be a golfer uh, he has a, that strong gene um rush limbaugh at the age of eight wanted to be in radio and as a result his his parents ragged on it his parents uh, we're not in favor of it. Again, uh, middle to upper class, family of lawyers, connected, uh, radio. To be a, a radio DJ or a radio talk show host was not exactly what they had in the cards or had envisioned uh, for their eight-year-old son. Uh, at the same time, uh, he was passionate. Um, further illustrated by the fact that when he turned nine, um, his parents bought him uh, this device that enabled you to like to, to broadcast your own radio show on an AM channel with like a 500 foot radius. So like, as a, I don't think they make these things anymore. It's like pirate radio. Um, it was, it's a small bandwidth uh, radio transmitter. And so at the age of nine, you know, wanting to encourage their son and not discourage him, they bought him this little device. And so they would listen to their son uh, do his own radio shows uh, from the bedroom, um, and you know he could hear himself on the radio dial. Um, at the age of 16, again, uh, growing up in Missouri, Kansas City, uh, he was uh, his father was a, a minority investor in a local uh, radio station. So at the age of 16, he got a break. Um, kind of, you know, the non-peak hours was able to be a, a DJ, but he was on the radio again. It was it was his love, you know, Rush Limbaugh. You know, I don't know how many people, like he always said that he was born for radio, that it was what he wanted to be. It's what he wanted to do. Uh, he wasn't really interested in, in much else. It was, um, which is a unique thing. I mean, from, from a young age, uh, to fill kind of a calling, a passion, and to follow suit with that um, is, is commendable. It's noteworthy. And I think it's great that even with parents that maybe not necessarily wanted their kid to be a radio personality, uh, had other visions were still that they recognized the seriousness within their son and they encouraged it and they, they were behind it uh, realizing that you're either going to sink or swim you're either going to make it or not and and dealing with a child it's best to let them figure that out on their own then you dictate it because then they'll, they'll rebel against it uh, reading his bio it's it's fascinating that rush was in a lot of ways kind of the black sheep of the family uh, his father was a very serious person 
his mom was kind of a wild, fun personality, which is really where, where Rush gets his, his persona. Uh, so much of the seriousness of Rush as kind of the intellectual conservative came from his father, the way he thought things through. But the lighter side of Rush, and if you ever listen to Rush Limbaugh for any length of time, you know, he, he had a way about him. Like his show was fun. There was, there was a serious content, but, uh, but a brevity uh, to the presentation. And Rush always said that like in radio, your main job is to get an audience, to entertain an audience. He was an entertainer more than anything because that's, you need an audience to sell ad revenue. And so his whole, like, he's like, this is a business. My job is to make the, the best show possible to, to the widest audience possible so i can make the most money possible you know at the end of his life in radio he was making they estimate 85 million dollars a year was his last contract man that's a lot of money 85 million dollars which is which is right behind as far as as what you're pulling in from howard stern i mean he was he was on 650 radio stations which is an amazing thing the eib network i mean i mean his his listenership, his audience. I mean, he had he had the greatest platform. One could have twenty million listeners a week. Um, you know that that transcends, you know, television, uh, prime time. Uh, you know, the, you know the big five networks. I mean, uh, Rush was such a hated man for his political beliefs because of the 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 ability to influence the the audience, the mechanism, the airwaves. Sixteen years old, gets a break. As a local DJ, uh, but you know Rush, even though he had this passion to be on radio, uh, it didn't work out for years. Uh, he ends up being fired uh, from the majority of his first breaks. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Kansas City he was fired from multiple radio stations for being too controversial, which is like shocker. But he was kind of learning his craft, learning his trade. But he had perseverance. He had tenacity. Uh, there was. Um, a season in the mid uh, late 70s to mid 80s where he did leave radio, ends up working as a kind of a ticket promoter for the Kansas City Royals. Uh, but he learned advertising. He learned uh, marketing. Uh, in 1984, KFBK in Sacramento uh, gave him his first big break. Uh, he replaced kind of a legend, uh, was able to do his own, his own talk show, uh, was a radio personality. And then... August 1st of 1988, the Rush Limbaugh show uh, debuted. He moved to New York City. It premiered on ABC, the ABC radio network, uh, started with 56 radio stations. And what's crazy, and again, this is 1988. He's on 56 radio stations. AM radio is a dinosaur. It's largely been left. It's a forgotten medium. Those that do listen to radio, it's all FM it's all music based. And yet you've got this bombastic political firebrand on the radio and it took off. Like Rush Limbaugh single-handedly uh, saved talk radio, saved the radio and probably in general. I mean, there's a reason that in 1993 he was inducted to the Radio Hall of Fame. And, and like he would boast, one day there would probably be an entire wing of the Hall of Fame dedicated to the influence of Rush Limbaugh. Uh, one of the things that made him very interesting, again, gets his break at the age of 37, starts with 56 radio stations, but within five, within five years, he became the number one talk show in America, again, reaching a pinnacle of 650 radio stations. Uh, just, just astonishing as far as the influence and what he was able to accomplish. And one of the unique things is that Rush Limbaugh generally had a policy where he would have no guests, which, again, talk radio at that point was a lot of call-in. It was interviews. Even today, a lot of talk radio is interviews, it's conversation. Three hours, one guy, one voice is just really astonishing. Uh, he said that the only, the only, the only two people in, in America... Uh, that he that had the right to be interviewed on the Rush Limbaugh show was the president of the United States or the speaker of the house. Everybody else was just was just below because his whole thing was, you know, people are tuning in not to listen to anybody but me speak. It's my opinions that they're turning in turning into, and uh, and he was right and, you know, was one of those people that and again if you listen to him he kind of broke the rule. So there's a rule to radio uh, that personalities never look like what they sound like. 
when you listen to Rush Limbaugh, he looks exactly the way that he sounds like, you know, kind of your your Main Street, K Street Republican with slick back hair, big suspenders, suits, wingtips, cigar in his mouth, you know, type of type of individual. So when you listen to him and you saw him, it matched it fit uh, in, incredible branding. He, he said, and I'll paraphrase growing up that as a kid, he'd sit there while his mom was making breakfast. He would listen to the radio and he was always bummed out because it sounded like the guy on the radio was going to spend the day having a blast while he'd have to go to prison. And, and he never wanted to be that growing up. He always wanted to do what he loved. And to his credit, man, the guy had an incredible career, uh, did what he loved, did, his, did what was his passion, uh, and died doing it. Um, again, one of the things that's unique about Rush Limbaugh is that even with stage four cancer, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom during uh, the, the 2000 uh, presidential address, the State of the Union. Uh, it's, this, it's the highest civilian award that can be, can be issued. But even at that point, uh, he didn't think that he was going to live to see the end of the year. And not only did he live through the end of the year, uh, but continued to do shows uh, as long as he could. And, and that's one of the interesting things that, that we've kind of learned afterwards is that when Rush would come in to do a show, he was in bad shape, and yet uh, he endured incredible chemo treatments and was really pushed to the brink because he just wanted one more day with his, with his audience. He loved his audience. He loved what he did. He had a passion for it, and, and I'll tell you, that's really inspiring because you only have one life to live, and you know, we, we always say that you want to you know, you want you want to work to live. You don't want to live to work, but it's it's a beautiful thing when your work and your life can blend together that you get to do what you love to do, meaning you never go to work. You know, it's your passion. It's it's what you do. And, you know, I think kind of as a testimony, the inspiration of Rush Limbaugh, one of the things we can take away is find what you love and pursue it. And you're going to have setbacks. You know, you're going to fail. You're going to have opposition. Um, but if you if you love it and you have a passion for it, I continue to do it. When we come back, I'm going to bring in kind of the Christian spiritual element to it all. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Every generation has these characters, these people that are larger than life. And it's easy for any of us to say Rush Limbaugh was one of those people. God used him in powerful ways to speak about conservative values, conservative politics, And it's sad to hear of his passing, but the great thing that we know is that Rush, being a believer in Jesus, is now with Jesus, his Savior. Don't go anywhere. Come back in just a few minutes. Zach and Creighton will talk more about the larger-than-life Rush Limbaugh. Here's Zach and Creighton with more on the legacy and life of Rush Limbaugh. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I'm joined by Creighton Vaughn. Creighton, thanks for being with me. Absolutely. If uh, if you join us, we live stream the recording of the show you're listening to. We do this on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Creighton is kind of the man behind the camera. One of the things that's great about it is that as you watch... Uh, you can leave comments, questions, feedback. You can interact with me during the show, uh, which is a cool component of doing it live uh, as opposed to the way that maybe you're listening, which is pre-recorded. And so uh, join us. Uh, again, Creighton, what are, what are the ways that you can watch the live stream? The two best are YouTube and Facebook. They're both live streamed. And if you don't catch it on Wednesdays, they are archived because it's YouTube and Facebook and you can watch them during the week or you can go back and watch our entire archive if you like. Leave us a like if you're doing that because it would be fantastic. And subscribe. You can find us on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is uh, outlawradio.live. Uh, we also stream on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Uh, we are talking about kind of the life and the legacy of Rush Limbaugh. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, kind of the, uh, the a radio icon uh, the pioneer of of modern conservative talk radio. Uh, phew, forget about even conservative, just talk radio in general. Um, even early in his career, his talent was recognized. His pinnacle was swift, pinnacle to the top. In 93, he was inducted to the Radio Hall of Fame. 
Uh, Rush Limbaugh, though, for all of his success, and, and there was much, was to a degree a bit of a tormented soul. Between blocks, uh, Creighton and I were talking about it, and that, that Rush, you know, he had this very bombastic, pseudo-arrogant, even prideful persona on the air. Some might have thought it was a shtick. When you study his life, it wasn't. I mean, the man was, was high on life, uh, but very full of himself. When you study Rush, th- there was an undercurrent of kind of a tormented soul to an extent. And let me kind of unpack that just, just a bit. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, I mentioned, was born, stable family, upper middle class, Midwestern family, a succession of lawyers. His grandfather was a lawyer. His father was a lawyer. His brother, David, was a lawyer. Uh, Rush grew, grew up in a religious home. Uh, from what I can tell, they were, they were uh, members of, of the local Methodist church. Uh, Rush grew up going to Sunday school. He knew the Bible stories. Uh, he knew of Jesus. Um, and yet, it's very difficult to know at what point, um, you know, Rush really wrestled with his own faith. I, I don't know at what point Rush had a faith. You know, Rush, one of the things that uh, that you took away from listening to his show is that he, he very much communicated and articulated uh, conservative principles. Um, he was a conservative. Um, and he did so from a very Ju- Judeo-Christian ethic. Uh, you listen to Rush Limbaugh and, and you, you walked away with the understanding uh, that he did have a religious understanding, that he had a, a Christian upbringing, but he absolutely never talked uh, about Christianity. Uh, he was a political talk show. Uh, he never brought in his faith. He never brought in uh, you know, Christian tenets. He never spoke about those things, leaving the audience largely uh, unsure uh, whether or not Rush was a Christian or whether he wasn't. Um, I'm not sure Rush really knew. Again, Christian upbringing, Christian parents, Christian rearing. Um, but he became very career-driven, career-oriented. Uh, Rush ultimately would marry uh, four different women, marrying Catherine uh, in the, the later years, leaving her as his widow, uh, often articulated that, that she was the love of his life, uh, struggled, though, with marriages, struggled with contentment. There was no balance to his life. His life was the radio show. It was his personality. Uh, Rush struggled with addiction um, as a result of, of complications from a back surgery. Uh, he struggled for years with uh, addiction to, to Oxycontin, opioids, um, got into trouble, actually spent five weeks off the, off the radio in rehab. His brother David, interestingly enough, uh, became a, a born-again believer, an outspoken Christian in, in the mid-90s. Uh, David Limbaugh has written some very good books about Christian apologetics, about defending the faith. Um, I, I, can't, I stumbled across an article Uh, written by Joel Rosenberg recently. Joel Rosenberg uh, has been friends with Rush Limbaugh for for years. Uh, Joel Rosenberg uh, is a believer, um, is a Christian, he's a a Jewish man, uh, has written a bunch of best-selling, you know, know, spy thrillers. Rush became a big fan of the books. They ended up having a friendship. And and Joel wrote an article talking about Rush Limbaugh, uh, and his faith. Now, one of the things that that blew me away, and and I'm going to actually take a moment and and read a bit of the transcript, uh, again, included in this article written by Joel Rosenberg. Um, October 19th of last year, so the program's kind of titled An Update on My Health. It's a roller coaster. Rush Limbaugh kind of broke from the normal protocol. Again, Radio 101, uh, you don't talk about what you're not, uh, what the listener isn't interested in. So the listeners are tuning into Rush Limbaugh to hear political commentary. So taking time to talk about things that are not related to political commentary uh, runs counter to the business model. And so uh, Rush never talked about, again, Christianity or faith. But October 19th, uh, he's now been dealing with this stage four cancer diagnosis for months. Uh, didn't think he was going to even be alive 
uh, by the by this point. I I happened to um, listen. I was listening uh, during this section. So let me actually read you the transcript. This is what Rush said. He says it's tough to realize that the days uh, where I do not think I'm under a death sentence are over. Now we all are. It's the point. We all know that we're going to die at some point, but when you have a terminal disease diagnosis, uh, that has a time frame to it. Then that puts a different psychological and even physical awareness to it. I wake up every day and I thank God that I did. I go to bed every night praying I'm going to wake up. I don't know how many of you do that. Those of you who are not sick, those of you who are not facing something like I am and countless of other millions are, but it's a blessing when you wake up. It's a stop everything and thank God moment. And every day thus in me feeling more and more blessed, hearing from you, knowing that you're out there praying and everything else you're doing, uh, that's a blessing. It's just a series of blessings and I'm grateful to be able to come here to the studio, tell you about it and really maintain as much normalcy as I can. I know a lot of you out there are going through your own challenges, whether it's cancer or another medical illness or some other life change. Maybe even you're in a hospital right now. Someone told me, and I think it's good advice, maybe maybe helpful. The only thing that any of us are certain of is right now, today. That's why I thank God every morning when I wake up. I thank God that I did. I try to make it the best day I can no matter what. I don't look too far ahead. I certainly don't look too far back. I try to remain committed to the idea what's supposed to happen will happen when it's meant to. I mean, at the outset of, of this, the first day I told you, that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is of immense value, strength, confidence, and that's why I'm able to remain fully committed to the idea that what is supposed to happen will happen when it's meant to. There's some comfort in knowing that some things are not in our hands. There's a lot of fear associated with that too, but there is some comfort. It's helpful. God is helpful. It's helpful to be able to trust and to believe in a higher plan. So again, let me just thank all of you for your support, your prayers. I send the same to you, to all of you, through anything that you might be facing. So now the objective here is rounding third, not having to head back to second base and slide in there. So here it goes to rounding third and heading towards home. That's the objective. That's the goal. I was listening to this and just, I was blown away, Creighton. Again, this is a man that never talks about his faith, that you're never really were sure if he was a Christian or not. Openly in the midst of, of really, again, the acknowledgement that he's living with a death sentence. Um, he, he wants to comfort the audience by letting them know that his personal relationship with Jesus Christ is what was comforting him through the trial. It's kind of a powerful, a powerful statement, especially for someone that, that kind of breaks total protocol uh, with making such a declaration. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very interesting because you normally with somebody who's that a religious but highly political, they would never do anything that could, you know, separate them from their base. Right. I read the article in its entirety because one of the things not addressed that I found uh, interesting is, okay, he acknowledges here October 19th that he is a Christian, that he's a a born-again believer, a follower of Jesus. But he, but, you know, it was still left kind of mysterious as to, well, when did he give his life to Jesus? Um, Again, a man with a, a religious upbringing, Christian family, Methodist, when did he become a Christian? Was this something he just always kept on the back burner? Where was it? And, and you read this article by Joel Rosenberg, and Rosenberg says pretty, pretty point blank that his biggest fear for Rush Limbaugh was that he knew he wasn't a Christian and that Rush deeply struggled with whether or not Jesus was who he said he was and wrestled with the implications of that and was uneasy, which is why he was kind of a tormented soul. Don't go anywhere. We're going to pick up this in our final block here on the Outlaw Radio Show. Did you know beyond the unique content of the Outlaw Radio Show, Pastor Zach Adams also has an extensive teaching archive available online for free? If you love to study the Bible, we encourage you to check out c316.tv. Currently, Pastor Zach is teaching verse by verse through the Gospel of John, but c316.tv also has video, audio, and sermon notes for the Gospel of Mark, the book of Acts, Ephesians, Genesis, Philemon, Jonah, Philippians, as well as an in-depth study on the Olivet Discourse and Jesus' seven letters to the churches recorded in Revelation 3 and 4. 
with over 17,000 minutes of expositional Bible teaching and more than 2,775 pages of written sermon transcripts, C316.tv is a must visit for any serious student of the Bible. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I'm talking about Rush Limbaugh. Noteworthy that uh, October of last year, for really the first time that, that I'm aware of, uh, Rush publicly informed his audience uh, that he was a born-again uh, follower of Jesus Christ, uh, which is a wonderful thing. It makes him our, our brother in Jesus. It means that while Rush is, has died, he, he's not dead, uh, that he is standing before his maker, which we'll get to in a minute because I think there's some implication there. Still, the, the mystery to me is, well, when did Rush give his life to Jesus? Not, not that it really matters, um, but just wondering if, it, well, maybe it was this cancer diagnosis that, you know, being diagnosed with terminal stage four cancer. Again, that places life into a context, especially when you feel as though you're living under a, a death sentence. You start thinking about your mortality and what happens next. That's a reason that a lot of people end up um, making a decision to follow Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not, I'm not trying to disparage that whatsoever. But uh, this article written by Joel Rosenberg, who has personal knowledge of this, actually mentions that in 2019, according to what he is aware of, sometime in 2019 is when Rush Limbaugh gave his life to Jesus, which means that he gave his life to Jesus before a cancer diagnosis, before the pandemic, um, kind of free of all of those influences, which implies that this struggle that this man had, had, had wrestled with for decades, um, he had finally reached a point where he surrendered that he surrendered to Jesus and, and no doubt probably the influence of his brother and his life. Uh, you know, it's astounding. They, they say that, you know, if someone doesn't give their life to Jesus by the age of 18, the, the likelihood of them doing it later, it decreases like 80%. Like it's not a normal thing for people late in life to kind of have a total about face, especially when there isn't some big cataclysmic, big thing happening, necessitating a, a reevaluation. So with that in mind, though, I, I, want, I want to bring this home because I can say, I can say something uh, with 100% certainty. Rush Limbaugh uh, lived a very successful life. He lived his dream. Um, he claimed that he was talent on loan from God. And I think that there is some truth to that. Um, what I can say is that uh, today, Rush Limbaugh um, has a lot of regret. Um, and I'm going to try to parse this in two different ways to try to articulate what I mean by that. Uh, Rush Limbaugh was a proselyte for conservatism. You know what Rush Limbaugh doesn't care about at all right now? He doesn't care about Republicans. He doesn't care about Democrats. He doesn't care about radio. The only thing that really matters now is he's come face to face with not just his maker, but his redeemer who did give him talent on loan from God. From a young age, he was given a passion for radio. Think about the impact that Rush Limbaugh could have made. Not to say that he needed to turn his radio show into, now he's an out, out you know, like, like this Christian thing. It wouldn't have worked. He wouldn't have had the audience. But he never spoke about it. He never incorporated it. It was only later in his life that his life began to have meaning. And I can say with certainty that today, he looks back, who cares now? If you're in the Radio Hall of Fame, who cares the accolades? Who cares if you were given the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, from a nation that won't be around for eternity? Like Rush Limbaugh's life and what his life was centered upon um, has taken on an entirely new perspective today in light of eternity. And I think that there's a lesson in that to us all. Now, I'm not saying again that Rush Limbaugh uh, needed to have made his radio show uh, something that it wasn't. Um, there's, there's nothing wrong. He did his passion. Uh, he was given a talent. He was given a voice. But I can tell you right now, he regrets the fact that he didn't use his voice, didn't use his flat platform uh, to make more of an impact for eternity. And, and where I want to kind of bring this into an application is that, that you, my friend, have been given a talent. You have been given talent and that talent has been given to you on loan from God. In Ephesians, Paul says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has 
predestined before the foundations of the the world that we should walk in them. What's interesting is that God created you. He wired you. He gave you your interests and your likes and your abilities. Jesus died to redeem you so that you could then use those things for his service to his end. You know, the interesting thing about the fact that God gives us the ability and then the opportunity is that our work is not then judged upon accomplishment, but on the faithfulness. Did we take the talents that God gave us and did we use them for his glory? Did we utilize the opportunities that God gave us, preordained for us to have? Did we then walk in them? Or did we use those for temporal ends? Again, I can tell you that Rush Limbaugh was very successful and he was given talent on loan from God. And that talent has returned to God. And there is right now in the heart of that man a deep regret that he didn't use that talent for a greater purpose. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to be the proselyte plumber. Maybe you've been given a talent and that you've got to, you know, be annoying in your career. You know, maybe you work at, at, at a company or you work at a business and you've been given a particular talent. You're an accountant. You're good with numbers. But let me ask, in the course of using that talent for the opportunities that God has presented before you, which might be to provide for your family, or to make a living, to pursue a passion, in what ways are those talents also being used in the service of King Jesus? In what ways are you using your talents to make an impact for things that will last much, much longer than the here and now? Unquestionable, Rush Limbaugh was given talent, and that talent was on loan from God. And today, you look back on his life and and what, what a tremendous impact he could have made if he had incorporated that more into his show. Again, I'm not judging the man. Again, him coming to faith later in life explains a lot of his career. But that being said, for us, you've been given talent. We've all been given talent. It's a gift. It's something that God, your creator made you. You didn't make yourself. And we all have intrinsic abilities. We have interests. Where do you think your interests come from? Again, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're created, bought, born again. It's the Holy Spirit of God that's crafting your interests and your pursuits. You know, in the end, we're to walk in them and we're to store up for ourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust can't corrupt, where no one can steal. Talent on loan from God. You have been given talent on loan from God. Are you using it to the glory of God? Creighton, with the 45 seconds or so that we have left, did I bring it home? Did that make a point? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to remember that, and there's a a passage that I can't remember the the, verbatim. You're fine. But it's do all things to the glory of God. It doesn't matter. I think I'm actually a verbatim. Anyway, it doesn't matter what your talent is. Like, I stock shelves for AutoZone. But I stock shelves to the glory of God. I try and be a light in the stores that I'm in, etc. And when you do that, when you understand that, it can take what might feel as the mundane and redeem it for a heavenly eternal purpose. Where it's like, I stock shelves for a living, but I'm going to stock shelves for Jesus and I'm going to be a light. Which means that this is what I do. It's not necessarily who I am. And I need to see this as an opportunity for something greater. You know what I mean? Yes. And it makes it way harder to burn out that way because it's not you that's doing it. It's not you that's doing it. Thanks for being on the show, bud. Always a pleasure. Well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. If you liked what you heard, I want to encourage you to contact your local Christian radio station and thank them that they're carrying this type of programming in your community. If you are listening on the radio, maybe you weren't able to catch the first half of the show. Uh, Every episode is podcasted on Apple, Google, Spotify, Uh, You can also watch the live stream recording of the show, of what you're listening to. Uh, You can watch Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. from outlawradio.live, which is our YouTube channel, or again, facebook.com slash theradiooutlaw. We love listener feedback, interaction. Our email address is info at outlawradio.org. All of this information you can find at outlawradio.org. Once again, my name is Zach Adams, and I hope you join me again this time next week for more of the Outlaw Radio Show.
You've been listening to the one and only Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.